So the, the, the great thing about our building project is we, we get to live in it, so you don't have to wonder what's happening. You can come and see. We're still uh, we're looking for occupancy on December 9, but that doesn't mean we'll necessarily be in there that Sunday because we have to transition. But occupancy means, okay, you can move that way. So if that happens, and, and the builders are saying that's where it's still what it's going to be, right, Ronnie? Um, then, you know, definitely before Christmas, if not before, before Christmas. So pretty fun. And then this space will be all hangout space, which is amazing. Um, it's, uh, once you move all these chairs, and you see, now that we've got the wall open in there, you can see how much space we used to have, <laughs> and it's amazing. So um, a couple weeks ago, I, went, I left two weeks ago today. Is that right? Yeah, I left for Germany and um, got there uh, the next day, and my suitcase never showed up, didn't show up. So I had a pair of sweats, and um, so supposed to be wearing uniforms. I showed up in my sweats, which was actually quite comfortable, more comfortable than uniform. And everybody understands because they've had that happen before. And then after work on Monday, I went and bought a pair of jeans and a shirt, hoping it would show up. It, it didn't show up. Um, it did show up eventually. So put that slide up there. Showed up, it showed up on Wednesday. And it crossed the Atlantic four times. And uh, the good news is I just put everything back in the drawer. It, was, it didn't have to wash it. First time after she didn't have to wash anything. It was great. Um, but there was a, a lady in, we, I got to Chicago, there was a lady in the, in, who ran the Chicago Briti British Airways office. Her name is Maureen. And she, there was me and two other chaplains, and she kind of saw our plight. We were going to miss our flight and get stuck. And because of all the COVID stuff, I said, well, just get us to London. We're going to London, and we'll figure it out from there. And she goes, no, you'll get stuck with COVID restriction, blah, blah, blah. So she worked her magic and got us on Lufthansa, got us to Munich, and then I said, we'll figure it out from there. So we caught a train to where we were going to Stuttgart. And so she, she uh, we were, we were, I got her card. Thank God I got her card. And so I'd email her, Marine, we, I haven't seen my bag, haven't seen my bag. And then I got home and said, Marine, good news is I'm home. Bad news is I never got my bag. I haven't heard thing. And I would go online and look for, and it would tell me it was someplace, and it wasn't. It told me it was in Wichita. It wasn't in Wichita. And so Marine, who's running, she runs the Chicago British Airways office and Miami and three, three different sites. She's a very busy lady, but she just decided that she was going to be kind to us. So she started tracking it. She went down and found it in the Chicago, in all these suitcases, found my suitcase. And then they sent it on <laughs> to Stuttgart, and I was not, wasn't supposed to. I was already gone from there. And then it came back, and then it left again for Stuttgart. It had a big sticker on it when I got here. It said, do not send to Chicago. <laughs> 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 and so she was very kind. And so she, she said, she, she emailed me um, a week ago and said, uh, I have your bag in my hand. I am going to FedEx it directly to you. <laughs> I'm not putting it back on an airline. <laughs> and so I got it. So the question, you know, I was very grateful, and, and it was inconvenient. So that was member care. I mean, that was, and I sent a letter to the British Airways president and everybody else I could think of about how awesome Maureen is. Maureen, you're awesome too. <laughs> and um, that's how I remembered her name, by the way. I said, <laughs> I connected that. So it was member care. And it was really nice and really helpful. But would it, on the spectrum of really nice to super necessary, where would it fall? And you say, well, you really needed your uniform. Well, I did, but 
I mean, I, I did it. I, I, I got through the training and okay. So for some, it would be necessary. Maybe if I had a, a CPAP machine or medications in there, you know, maybe it would have been necessary. Um, but for me, if you think about the spectrum of member care, taking care of people's needs, there is a spectrum from nice to absolutely necessary. So we're, the four M's go back to the, they'll go on to the, so the four M's, we've talked about this for a couple of years now, and um, missions, meetings, men, member care, and then mentoring is in the center. And um, these are just hooks to hang things on as you think about your role as a leader. This is not a picture of church life. This is not, I mean, we do all that in church life, but everything in church life is not entailed is not encompassed in that one diagram. That's supposed to be a simple diagram that helps us form the boundaries for how we look at our leadership. These are group leader guidelines. They're not descriptions of church life as a whole. So there are some things that might not hang neatly on one of these hooks in church life. There are also things that might hang on several hooks at once. The problem with giving a, a simple picture of something is it's simple. And the good thing about giving a simple picture of something is it's simple. So, what hook or hooks would this go on? A non-group member who's a friend of a group member who needs help moving. I mean, what hook do you hang that on? Where would you hang it? Non-group member, but he's a friend of a group member who needs help moving. Where would you hang it? Hanging on missions. You can hang it there because you're kind of taking care of your group member. It's his friend. You can hang it on that one, right? Because you could be mentoring while you do it. What about... A group member who's, who's struggling during group with emotional, spiritual needs and the group starts ministering to her. Which hook? Well, it could go on. That could go on every one of those hooks. I mean, it's happening during a meeting and it could be member care. I mean, they could be someone who's coming to your group who's far from Christ. You're, you're mentoring people as you do it. So, so these are hooks and real life group leadership is complex. So, group leaders have been doing all this before I put them in the M form. This is just a, a mental picture. So, you don't have to know piano theory in, or, in order to play the piano. You can just play the piano, but it helps to know the theory. And so, knowing the foundational reasons behind group leadership, the theory, this would be like theory, um, can help us live more strategically, can help us not get overwhelmed or sidetracked. So, I am for this church the shepherd, and I'm also a gatekeeper. And by gatekeeper, I don't just mean keeping wolves out, but a gatekeeper of ideas and activities. So can you imagine what would happen if I said yes to every idea everyone ever had for us? Maybe you can't. <laughs> but trust me, it would, be, uh, it would be a mess. We'd be all over the map. And I'm not even talking about, uh, I'm talking about ideas from outside the church, even ideas from inside the church. And they're, and they're good ideas sometimes. Or what if, I, what if I just said, okay, I'm going to decide case, purely case by case what I'm going to engage and not engage. And I had no guidelines at all for that. So you say, well, that, how bad would that be? It'd be pretty bad. Guy calls me, which happened recently. I want to get together. He's not a, not a church member. And he wants to pitch a program. And so you go get, I didn't. You go get with that guy. And you go get with this guy. You go get with this guy. You go, and you, and you, so... What happens to my stewardship as a pastor of river? Well, it's going to get diluted pretty quickly if I'm trying to do what everybody else 
wants to do because every single yes has a corresponding no. You guys know this. Every, everything you say yes to, you're saying no to everything else except for that yes. So I've, I have a pretty well-defined idea of what I believe God's called me to. It has a theology and it has a philosophy behind it. And so my philosophy of ministry is very helpful in deciding what I will and won't participate in. I still have to decide case by case sometimes, but I can rule out a lot of stuff pretty quickly. And so these four M's, along with other things you'll find on our leader website, if you go to our leader webpage, and you'll see um, our overall philosophy of ministry related to group life. And they help form the boundaries for how we want to lead, because we don't want you to feel like you're responsible for everything. We want you to have a framework for decision-making in ministry. And I say framework is not a set of rules because we want you to have room for your own personality and for your group's personality and for initiative because we do want you to lead. So today's focus is on member care. And let me give you a definition of the member care spectrum. Go to the next, I think. So necessary, so we're going we're gonna, to, the spectrum we're going to call, um, one end of the spectrum we're going to call necessary, one end we're going to call nice, and everything can go at some point along that line. And so you're going you're gonna to have to decide where it goes on the spectrum. And it's going to vary based on personality, based on your current situation, your resources, so forth. So necessary would be when current need exceeds current capacity in someone's life. And so it must happen. You know, to not take care of that necessary thing means missing failure. Nice would be helpful, but not necessary. It can happen, but if it doesn't happen, it's not mission failure. So, let me give you a passage and then we'll unpack it. We talked about this this summer. Galatians 6.2 Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else, for each one should carry his own load. So we, we spent a whole Sunday on that, so I'm not going to unpack that verse again. You can go back and look at the Galatians 6 from this summer. But Paul distinguishes between a burden and a load. And if you, if you were there, you remember uh, a burden is when, a burden would be when need exceeds capacity. So we carry each other's burdens. A load is what we're all responsible to carry. So how do you know when it's a burden and when it's a load? Well, it's a, it's a leader call. It's a leadership call. If we don't help others when need exceeds capacity, it's, it's mission failure. We have to come alongside. If we don't let others take responsibility for their load, it can lead to mission failure because we can't take necessary loads off of people. A few years ago, we were climbing Pikes Peak and, and Wes Lewis, Jim and Patty's son, he made it to, where are you, Jim? He, he made it to like the tree line, didn't he? The tree line. He was just going, going good. He didn't take enough calories with him. With him. And, uh, and so he got to the tree line and sat down. And it wasn't a matter of will. He was tons of will. His body was, it's just, I'm done. No more calories, no more fuel. You're out of gas. And so he's just sitting there on a, on a rock. And he's like, body move. And body's like, no gas, no can do. And so he's just sitting there. And somebody came along and gave him a Snickers bar or something. And um, it was just enough calories to where he could, his will could tell his body to move. And he got to the top. So that Snickers bar would, would fall in the category of necessary. Because <laughs> you're at the tree line, you say, well, let's go down. It's a long way down, and there's no tram right there. Now, what if he's at the bottom? He got all the way down to the bottom. He's standing down there, going, oh, that was long. I don't have enough food, and I'm hungry. And someone just throws him a Snickers bar. Well, that's, 
nice, nice, but not necessary. So with that distinction in mind, let's unpack the necessary to nice member care spectrum. But before I do, let me say, and I hope you already get this, this is art and science. There is a lot of scripture for taking care of people, when you do and how you do. But when it comes to the specifics in your group life, there's I, the, what I'm giving you is some of the science, to use that word loosely, but you have to apply the art. These are the categories that help us do life together, but you're the leader on the field. You have to use common sense, God's word, the Holy Spirit's guidance to pull this off. So some people would love for me to make a list. Here's the list. Here's 100, here's 100 things that go unnecessary. Here's 100 things that go in nice. And, and you know, that would be great. Well, sorry. <laughs> it's not how, the, not how life works. So necessary, let's, let's unpack this. Necessary is when current need exceeds current capacity. And if you're, if you're a college student, you know, and, and you're leading a college group, you may say, this doesn't fully apply to me or it hasn't applied to me yet. It will. If it hasn't yet, it will. And so the, these principles um, will find their way into your life if they haven't already. So need, current need exceeds current capacity. It could be physical, emotional, relational, spiritual. This is what we call all hands on deck situation. And you have to ask, what should we do? What could we do? And then, and then what do you do when the member's need exceeds the group's capacity? <laughs> See? Or the group leader's capacity. Well, then you say, you know, help. And then so now you call in staff, you call in the church, which has happened many times in our church. It's exceeded a group. A group member's need exceeds a group's capacity. So we call in the church. Or we call in outside resources. We call in James Smith, or we, or we send them to other agencies. We, we're still involved. We're still the church, but we use all the resources that are at our disposal. These things, these 911 kind of things, are, are by definition rare. You say, well, you haven't been in my group. You know, we're <laughs> that's, that's our nickname, 911. Sometimes groups have a string of 911 events, but it tends to level out over time. It doesn't feel like it when you're in it. Some of you guys who have been leading a long time are going, yeah, uh, well, I, we've been in 911 for a while. If one person is perpetually 911, it could be that they're just very <laughs> unfortunate people, you know, that they have um, great challenges. But very often, if people are, not always, so don't over apply this, but very often, if someone is perpetually 911, it's because of their, they're experiencing the law of reaping and sowing. They are reaping what they have sowed a long time, and they just happen to be reaping right now. So don't be quick to judge. But on the other hand, you have to make judgments because the scripture says if someone's hungry, you should feed them. Unless, Paul said, they don't refuse to work. Then Paul says what? Don't feed them because you'll do them harm. So again, you've got to make a judgment call. So who decides what level this is? Who decides is this nice or necessary? You do because <laughs> you're the leader and we trust you. You can get help, you can get input, but in the end, we trust you to decide. And you say, well, how about this? I don't want to decide. That's too much pressure. Well, then I will say, we're happy to help. You don't have to. We're not, we're not dumping member care on you. If you say, Tara, I don't want to decide, so Brenda, Jim, Rodney, whoever, help. We're happy to help. Happy to come alongside you. So I hope you, what we're hearing is no pressure, but we trust you. At the same time, that's what I hope that you're hearing. So you want to be a well-differentiated leader, if you remember that term, 
And it's well differentiated means you, you are not making your decisions based on the emotions and the pressures of everything happening around you. You're not tossed around as a leader by the least emotionally people in your least emotionally healthy people in your group. You're well differentiated, but you're connected. You're connected, but well differentiated. And so you decide if and how the group will help. You don't have to go along with the demands of others or be held hostage to guilt. And and you're going to have to. Most of you have probably been through this. You're going to have to be willing to be thought ill of if it's the right thing to do. And sometimes it is the right thing to do to just say no. And I've had, I've had people who I've helped literally for years who when I said, it's enough, and they've become infuriated with me and wrote me off and, and sent me nasty grams and all the rest. You just, just, you know, hopefully it won't happen, but you have to be willing for that to happen. So those of you, we have some counselors here, school counselors and other, you know, I don't know what you're, Allie, I don't know what your guiding principle is, but mine is don't work harder than the people you're trying to help. That's my guiding principle. And so, because it never works. It's never worked in the history of man. It will never, and you'll not make it work. You'll not be the first person who outworks the person you're trying to help, and it will suddenly be helpful. It won't. So what does that mean? You've got to figure that out. But if you look up, and you're the one carrying all the stress, all the load, and they're sort of nonchalant about it, then something's, that's not member care. So unless they're truly incapacitated, you, you don't outwork them. If they're truly incapacitated, then guess what? It's way above small group level of care. So next category. So since I'm supposed to decide where it goes, how do I decide? So I'll give you some, some thoughts. So do I have to make sure we have a wedding shower, baby shower? Is this necessary or nice? Okay, now wait a minute. My wife would vote necessary. <laughs> she's going, mm-hmm, and I would vote nice. I would probably say, actually, unnecessary, <laughs> but that's not a category. <laughs> it's, why, <laughs> it's why we have different groups. Uh, it's why I don't lead a ladies' group, and I wouldn't for very long. So what about meal trains for illnesses or babies? It kind of depends, doesn't it? So, and again, okay, I'm being facetious here. But if Jim and I, Jim Lewis and I both get a cold and we swap Chipotle cards, that seems odd to me. A little odd to me. Jim, I, here, remember, here's your Chipotle card. Thanks, Terry. Here's your Chipotle card. Now, I'm being a little facetious, not much. For my wife, for my wife, that would go in, she wouldn't call that the necessary category. She's, she's making faces at me. <laughs> We've had these conversations. But she would put it in the, in the, in the nice category. That's nice, you know. Patty Brooks breaks her hand and Christy breaks her foot, then they swap cards, they swap presents, whatever. <laughs> that would be nice. And nice is nice. It's hard to argue that. You know, that's nice. And, and do it if you can. Except, <clears throat> here's what I'm saying. If, if that's something you can and want to do, and it blesses people, then do it. If you're like Terry... I can't keep up with that. We're not asking you to. You're a group leader. You're not an event planner. You're not an event planner. And, and you're giving a lot. Your primary calling is to lead your group in the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. And that can involve meal trains and showers, but it may not. So if you don't want to try to keep up with showers and events and meal trains and whatever, it's okay. If someone else in your group wants to, let them. If no one wants to, and you don't want to, 
then you'll eventually have a group of people who don't care much about that stuff, and that's okay. That's basically my group. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when I'm sick or hurt or sad, you can send me food if it blesses you, but I, I'm okay. I don't really want people sending me food. I want to be left alone. <laughs> but my wife, are you, say, are, you, are you that way too? I, hear, I see that hand. She, yeah. No? 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 Okay. So I thought I, I thought I had a kindred spirit. So for my wife, it's like, bring it on. She, it's great. It, I, I love, she loves that. It's all okay. But my point is it's okay wherever you are in this thing. That's, that's the point. So my groups over the last 40 years, we don't do a lot of eventish stuff. My wife's group do a lot of event-ish stuff. It's not a word, but it is now. Either way, it's okay. So if, here's what I would say. If you're going to embrace member care that goes above and beyond, which is great, there's some important things to keep in mind. Let me tell you what they are. And again, that language itself is telling because my wife would consider my above and beyond as her bottom line. So this is relative to who you are, and that's okay. But I think you get the point. So here's some important considerations in deciding how do I operate on the member care spectrum. This is true for you guys leading college groups or whatever. Because I, I made a ton of mistakes over helping people for years. Over helping people. And miss, a, miss good intention but not helping people in ways that proved to be long-term helpful. I started mentoring a kid, a, a Dimit, Dimitri, 1977. I was 18, he was 12. You know, you know Dimitri, and Dimitri's come back around, come back around. And um, finally, a while back, I said, Dimitri, I mean like a few years ago, I said, Dimitri, you will never get another penny from me, period, ever. It's never going to happen. And, um, but if you want to hang out, be a friend, come to church, pray, the answer is always yes. And our relationship, you know, he, came and we had, he came to church about a month ago. He spent about half his life in prison. But we've stayed in contact since 1977. He was here a couple of months ago. And he's, he's doing okay. And he hasn't asked me for money for years. And so, you know, looking back, what would I change? Probably a lot of things. But, but um, anyway, you have, to just, you have to just do the best you can. So important member care considerations. And I'll use the simple, sustainable, transferable model. Simple. Will this approach to member care make group life complex to the point where we lose sight of the main things? Are we doing member care at the level that we're losing the ability to do the main things? So in my group, we don't do snacks ever. <laughs> uh, we may go out and eat dinner or something, but we don't do snacks. It's, it's, to me, it's a little bit of a strange concept having snacks at group. My wife does snacks always. In her mind, my mind is a strange concept. So, but both are good. They both are good. It's okay. And, and, um, and it enhances her groups to do that. But if, if any focus on anything other than growth in Christ's likeness takes over, it violates the principle of, of simple. And so for Christy, snacks are an integral part of the process. It's not separate. There have been times in days gone by, I'm not addressing anything in years, but there was a time in days gone by when snacks became a distraction for the mission. That's, that's where, the, that's where the, uh, member tail, the member care tail starts wagging the missional dog. 
We don't want that. So, and that includes really important events that could be nice, that could communicate love, but are simply making group life too complex. So the second, sustainable. Will this potentially lead to someone being hurt or feeling defrauded? Because what if I can't consistently maintain this level of member care? I'm a group leader with a lot of time on my hands right now, and I go, and my group has some time, and I go all out with a shower party for a member. We do meal trains all summer, whatever. Then I get slammed. And no one in my group is able to take up the slack. And someone in my group misses out. I'm not addressing any current real life situations. I'm oblivious if these are, are happening out there, fortunately. But, but if someone misses out on getting this care, then what does that say to them? What precedent do I want to set here? The question of precedent is important. As a pastor, staff knows this. When people ask us, I mean, this is, this is your building. It's not my building. This is your building, our building. And so we're not like, okay, what are we going to let people do? We say the answer is yes, but we have to ask the question, with the building or ministry or whatever, are we going to set a precedent or are we willing to set a precedent? What does that say? What does that mean? What expectations are you willing to set and why? So I can, can I sustain this? It's nice, but will it, what will it communicate if I can do this for some and not for others? So we've learned this lesson as a church over the years the hard way. And there was a lady who, our, my group, Christie's group, several groups got involved in. We, and and um, I don't regret this, but I would do a lot of things differently. But we helped her with a car. We helped her get a degree to get her on her feet, a, 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 a teaching degree. And then when we said, we didn't promise you more than this, she, right out there at a picnic table with me and Christie, she was infuriated with me because we didn't give her more. And then we didn't see her again. So what, what are the expectations you're setting? Good intention, but what are you, what are you setting? So you have flexibility here. You know, we're not, I'm, not, I'm not giving you rules. You have flexibility, but you need to be thinking about this stuff. It's important. If you came from a group that had higher levels of event stuff, then you don't need to feel the pressure to keep that up. So at the very, at the very least, have conversations about this in your group. So say, hey, we had a blowout party for this couple, but I know your birthday's coming up or whatever, and we're all slammed right now. You know, we, we haven't had time to, to plan yours or whatever. You say, well, what do I do if there's hurt feelings? Well, apologize, unless you shouldn't, then don't, but apologize if you feel like you did do something wrong. But it could be a discipling, mentoring versus member care issue to help people Look, we threw a party because we had time. We don't, reality set in, we don't have time, whatever. So think through what this means going forward. Um, and then transferable. How much of what I'm doing in terms of member care is my personality and my preference? And how much of it is, is um, principle? And how much of it is transferable? Does my leader assistant share my personality and preferences? And if not then make sure you're helping one another see the difference between principle and practice. The principle is member care. The practice is that spectrum, and the practice is based on personalities, makeup of the group, current situations going on in the group's life. All those things lead to practice. So the principle of member care is taking care of one another in community. The practice of, of member care is how do we do things right now in our group based on who we are, where we are, and so forth.
So let's talk about surge, member, member care surge, and steady state member care. So you have a surge capacity, and then you have a steady state capacity. So back in April of 2020, COVID hit. Every state was trying to figure out what to do. And Kansas, stood, like every state, stood up the, their SEOC, which is a state emergency operations center. Ours is in Topeka. And there was a, a few hundred people in there from all these different agencies, the governor's office and the emergency management, uh, disaster response, and, and the military. And I went there a couple times a week for the first few months. And they were getting 1,000 calls a day in the SEOC from counties and municipalities. It's 1,000 days answering the same questions over and over and over and over. Because everybody's trying to figure it out. And folks who were, who were working there worked seven days a week, long hours. It was unsustainable but necessary. Th th we had a certain surge capacity. And then after a while, we were running out of surge capacity. And, but fortunately, it moved into a steady state. We began to figure out, okay, what's a more sustainable steady state of operations. And then, in fact, COVID cases went way up, not down, but the calls went down because now counties and municipalities were figuring it out. You know, state, local health departments were figuring it out. Dr. Greer's were figuring it out. So, and, or they were, or they were, <laughs> or they were, or they were trying to figure it out. They weren't just calling up there. And so, as you think through the member care spectrum, necessary to nice, and you think about your own life and experience, especially some of you seasoned um, leaders, you know, you, you know you have a surge capacity that's limited. Then you know you have a steady state capacity. And some emergencies in your group go from surge to, to more steady state. So what I want to do now is um, for, a, for a, a few minutes is, is I've kind of laid the, laid the table out there. And I'd like to hear from you about when you think about difficult things that have happened in your group in the past and try to keep things confidential, but talk in terms of, um, you, you can give examples, but keep names out of it if you, want, if, if you want to talk about it. But how were you able to deal with the surge? What did it look like to move to a steady state? Maybe even when the member care issues didn't go away. What did you learn that you would do different during those surges? What did you learn about steady state? I'm giving you some different questions. I'll give them to you in a minute, again in a minute. How does your view of what's necessary change based on the circumstances or experience? Um, what, have you, what have you learned today? And, and how does that apply to your own experiences? So there's a lot of different ways you can look at this. You can say, here's what I've learned the hard way. Here's some things I learned about surge. Here's some things I learned about steady state. Uh, here's some things I heard today that now apply. So I want to hear from some of your experiences. I'll give you a minute to think. So again, try to keep it confidential. Don't throw somebody under the bus. But, but if you can tell us as much as we need to know in order to illustrate a principle. And you can say, here's how I really messed up. Here's what I learned. Here's what my group did really well. Let's share some best practices and some worst practices because we learn from that too. <laughs> 